0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
0: Dancing queen, who's dancing? I'll tell you who's dancing. The owners of Rich Strike. Are you kidding me? 80 to 1. 80-1, to 1, Rich Strike wins the Kentucky Derby. We're going to do a dive into that. I, I got some really interesting information for you in regard to uh, that horse and in that win. Man, that was so fun to watch that race unfold. Uh, what a great Saturday night that was. A lot going on. Uh, I'm going to break down the show for you. Again, it's the a Mark Show with you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. 3 o'clock, it's not Saturday, it's Sunday. With you until noon today. 800-919-3776, a lot to get to. Obviously, uh, we'll talk about what's going on with the Rangers as unfortunately they lost to uh, the Penguins. Surprising, right? The Penguins are sitting there with their third, uh, their third string goalie and uh, the Rangers come out and, and they go down 4-1 in, in the first and then uh, they decide, okay, well, let's pull our, our goalie. Okay, uh, dumb move. Anyway, we'll dive into that. We'll, we'll do a deeper dive into what's going on with the Rangers. Now, unfortunately, they're down in that series 2-1. I think very surprising. I had Greg Wyshynski on with me on Friday as well as yesterday, uh, breaking down that series. He felt that the series, he felt that game uh, game three would be close, but he did feel that the Rangers would win. Obviously, we know what happened in the third quarter that did not allow them to, um, and they lost 7-4. So, um, also, we've got Major League Baseball. Uh, we've got two doubleheaders. How great is that? Two doubleheaders on, on Mother's Day. So, so, for the Yankees taking on the Rangers, uh, and for the Mets, they're down in Philadelphia. You've got Max Scherzer uh, playing in, uh, he's going to be pitching the first game. Tom Healy is going to be joining us. He uh, You can see his work at Newsday, and I really want to dive into that, th- to this topic, and this is what's been out there in regard to um, the, the balls that, the speculation that balls are being used in Major League Baseball during um, the uh, the primetime games different than those that are used in other times during the league. And apparently uh, Tom has this story. So excited to get him on the program. He's going to be joining us this morning. Moe Hamilton is always talking some NBA with us. Is another two great games as you got the Bucs uh who beat the Celtics last night one oh eight to one oh one. Giannis had a game for the ages, putting up forty two points, shot sixty two percent. Meanwhile the Warriors just ran uh, the Grizzlies out of the gym, 142 to 112. Clay Thompson, four of six from downtown, nine rebounds, Out-rebounded the Grizzlies, 53 to 37 in the game. And I probably buried the lead here, and that's uh, John ja Morant with a knee injury. Not sure if he's going to be able to play in game four. So we'll stay on top of that. We'll talk to Moke Hamilton about NBA. We have Mike Westoff, one of my favorite uh, human beings on the planet. He's got a new book that just came out. Uh, so excited to talk to him, obviously not just about his book, but of course the jets, their draft and what he thinks about this season. This is a big week for, for the NFL is Thursday night. The schedule is going to be released. Of course, you're, you're saying, well, schedule, I, I know who the giants and the jets and, and who these guys play. Yeah. But more importantly, dates of games, uh, which is really important pertaining to, you know, weather conditions, uh, you know, obviously you want to if you're playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, uh, you don't want to play them uh, in in uh, in November and December in, up there in in uh, in Buffalo. That's for sure. So a uh, big night for the NFL. Uh, I'm going to be part of a, a, a great show on ESPN 2 daily wager. We've got a two hour special from 8 to 10 p.m. That's how big Thursday is going to be with the NFL and, and just marinating that for a minute. Uh, that, that the NFL schedule release is that big, but it is. It is what it is. That's for sure. Um, so, again, uh, we'll recap the Derby. We're talking Major League Baseball with you. Rangers, unfortunately, lose to the Penguins 7-4 last night. So now uh, Penguins up 2-1 in that series. Uh, we'll look forward to two great NBA games today at three You've got the Suns in the Mavs. Another game in Dallas. Can the Dallas Mavericks come out, come out with that type of intensity that we saw last game to take that series? The Suns still up 2-1, but definitely given new life for the Mavs in that series. And, of course, the Heat taking on the 76ers tonight at 8 o'clock. The 76ers, they get Joel Embiid back with that funky, awesome, uh, frightening mask and took it to the Miami Heat, beat them by 20 points. So that series, Heat up 2-1. Can the 76ers with Joel Embiid uh, even out this series and make it a good one? So a lot going on. We're going to dive into all of it. 800 919 Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. Chris Bassett will be uh, the first pitcher who will start for the Mets. Uh, first pitch will be at 12:35, and then um, and then we have Scherzer uh, late, a little bit later on around 4, 4.30, I believe is is uh, is the second game, and then for the Yankees you've got uh, Garrett Cole going in the first game and Montgomery pitching in the second. And again, uh, Tim Healy from Newsday is going to join us momentarily in about 15 minutes. We'll do a deeper dive into. Uh, the Mets as well as uh, Major League Baseball and what's going on with the um, uh, the, the speculation from a, num- a number of players out there that balls are being utilized, uh, different balls are being utilized in the primetime games uh, than uh, than those that are not. So really interested to talk to Tim about that. But Uh, Let's listen, and we've got the Rangers and the Penguins series. Unfortunately, the Penguins now are up 2-1. The Rangers, not a great night last night, right? So they start off, they go down 4-1. Shesterkin then is pulled. Why? Uh, Well, uh, you know, Gallant felt like the, the team needed a boost. And sure enough, it looked like it was the right decision in the second Period. Was it not right? So Rangers, they score three goals, now it's all tied up, but unfortunately in the third, uh, they lose seven to four. Let's listen in. This is Gallant talking to the media post game.
2: Yeah, obviously a slow start to the game, and you know, we knew they were going to come out. I mean, we came out of their building real hard in the first period, and they did the same tonight. But they kept it going for the first, the full 20 minutes, and you know we got behind obviously, and had a lot of trouble. So I'm proud of my team. We bounced back and we played hard the rest of the game, and it's unfortunate, but uh, you know that's the way she goes, and we'll get back at them again next game i have no idea it's <laughs> stuff happens you prepare the same way you get them ready to play the same way and like i said the f- the fans definitely help in every building so it was no different than what it was in our building in the first games you know we had a great start to the game we had great forechecking, checking and, and you know they got a couple of fortunate bounces you know they played well they dominated the first but after that uh, i thought we played really well First period, after that, I think we were the, I mean, you, you watched the game, I mean, that power play, we had great saves, and you got to give Louis Dumin credit, when it was 4-4, he made two or three great saves in our power play, so, you know, that was a big part of the game. So, um, beyond too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you look at it and you say, you know, I mean, again, two of them were lucky bounces, and, you know, it's 4-1, you want to change momentum a little bit sometimes, and ego has been outstanding, and, really you look at it right now and he's played 10 periods in the last basically four four and a half days five days whatever it is so i thought it was a good time to you know jump it. and fortunately for us we battled back in the second and tied it up and unfortunately in the third they got a goal so but i i I like the way our team didn't quit that was proud of them for that and we'll be ready to go next game it was just man up, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're a good team. We're playing over there, but there's no difference. The, the ranks are the, the same length, the same, you know, you got to go and play the game and let's man up and be men about this and uh, we're not going to die. We're not going to sit that back and let them continue to play like that against us. And, you know, we came out and we caught them pretty good and uh, we battled back in that hockey game. If I'm understanding correctly, part of the motivation for going to Georgia was
1: switching momentum, but also maybe
2: to get Igor on off, like, off the seat for a little bit and give him a little more rest? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's 4-1. It was totally tilted. Yeah. And sometimes you spark your team with a goalie change. Igor has been our MVP all season, as everybody knows, and, and in the playoffs. So I thought we'd give him a little rest tonight and uh, hopefully spark our team. And it worked, you know. What's that? What is your pick of your argument? thought he was really solid. Really, he looked strong. He was excited to get in there, and he was really solid.
0: Again, uh, Glant trying to spark the team uh, with the decision to, to pull Igor. It looked like looked like it was the right decision in, in the second quarter, uh, but uh, but obviously did not hold true in the third. So the Rangers they lose to the Penguins seven to four. Was it right? Was it the right decision? Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Some talk with some of the, the the Rangers players after the game saying that uh, they just don't they're not playing together. Now as we know, this is a young group. They're developing, they're building, they're creating that chemistry. I just feel like this was an opportunity. You're talking about a Penguins team, and, and not to take anything away, uh, you know, from from you know Crosby and, and 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 their skilled position players. I get it, but this is this is a Penguins team that's dealing with. Uh, they're they're coming out there with their third uh, string goalie. You've Got to take advantage. Game four, by the way, is Monday. Let's go to Sal in Brooklyn. He wants to chime in. Sal, your your take on the uh, the Rangers Penguins game.
1: Anita, good morning. How you doing today, Don? Good morning. Good anyway, morning. Anyway, here's a- a- what we got. Unfortunately, I think what's happening is most people are falling asleep on the Penguins. Granted, if you're catching them in the second or third round and they got all of those old bones out there, but you're catching these guys fresh in the first round and and, and you're tending to, to lay down on them. Well, we're younger, we're faster, we're going to be stronger, but these old guys just ain't ready to hang it up yet. And and, and between Letang and, and Malkin and, and of course, Sid the Kid, they're ready for this first round. Their their experience is, is carrying them. Now, should the Rangers beat them? Absolutely. But, again, it's experience is what Pittsburgh is bringing to the table here. And and I'm a, I, I like what the coach said on the Rangers, but I'm a little disappointed, and he said, Yeah, we came back. Yeah, but you lost. Don't tell me about a comeback. You know what I mean? Don't tell me about how close it was. Well, we put up the effort. You still lost. You're going to win and you're going to lose. That's the game. I get it. But I think people are just falling asleep on the fact that you're catching an old team and you think they're a bunch of Clodsdales. They still got some thoroughbred in them in the early rounds. You'll catch them later when those old legs can't keep up. But for now, they got to wake up and realize this old team is experienced. And their legs are still good, fresh in this series.
0: Let me ask you this, Sal: How confident are you? Uh, game four is on Monday. How how, yeah, com- how confident are you that this was just a bump in the road, and and you, you feel that the Rangers are still going to win it's, the series?
1: It's it's not a bump in the road. Pittsburgh's a win. You know their experience is what's carrying them, and and let's hopefully you know it's like when when the, the Edmonton Oilers were putting together their team, you know back in the uh, in the eighties. They found their losses and their bumps in the road as well. You know, when they lost to the Islanders, but then they came back stronger than ever. Uh, this is a young Ranger team. They're going to get their bumps and bruises. This is going to be a grind. It's not just let's go in there and run all over these old men. It's just not going to happen. Even with a third-string goalie, look how Pittsburgh still shows up. A third-string goalie. You know, these are the little signs you look at. When they're playing with that third goalie and they're still competing and they're in a the game with you, that's telling you these so these guys got to pull up their socks, tighten up those skates. And this the this, this NHL hockey playoffs, this is what it's about. Every shift is a grind, and they'll learn from this. But uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Pittsburgh's there to fight it out. So uh, hopefully these kids wake up in time, and, and let's just enjoy it, man. That's what it's about, enjoying this, this 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 playoff, whether it's NBA, NHL. It's not like playoffs, and this is perfect to watch right here. Just let's, let, let experience take over for them right now.
0: Uh, Thanks for the call, Sal. Appreciate it. 800-919-3776. Turning our attention to what's going on, Major League Baseball. Again, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. And uh, what a a great day it must be if you're heading out to the ballpark, especially. It's it's absolutely beautiful out if you're heading out to the Bronx uh, to uh, take in the Yankees doubleheader. So, again, just to bring you up to speed, 1230 is first pitch for the Mets in the Phillies. Chris Bassett on the bump for the first game down there in Philadelphia. Temperatures are 48 degrees. Uh, Weather is not too bad. But I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to the second game, and that's first pitch expected at 4:05 with Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson. Why Scherzer, as we know, 4-0 with a 2.61 ERA. Kyle's two two and one with a 2.93 ERA. These two guys were expected to go at it yesterday uh, when uh, in the 11th hour. Unfortunately, because because of weather conditions, this game was postponed. So now they're the four o'clock game later on today. Uh, but Mets, they are 17 and five against right-handed pitchers. I think it's going to be a pitching duel. This is going to be a good one to watch. Really excited ab- about that matchup. As for the Yankees, uh, first pitch is at 135. and, and again Garrett Cole will be uh, dealing for the Yankees, and he's just been unbelievable. And then of course you've got Montgomery later on today, and uh, first pitch is at 5:05. And as we know, this is a Yankees team. Uh, First of all, coming off of a win against the Blue Jays, winning the series against the Blue Jays 2-1, two, two and one, which is uber important because right now in the American League East, now they've got a two-game lead on the Rays in the division following the Jays, following the O's and the Red Sox right there at the bottom of the barrel. Unbelievable, the Yankees are 11 in one uh, so far, and uh, in, in their last twelve games, eighteen and seven on the season. After a five and five start, why? Well, the bats are working with Judge and Rizzo, as well as Cole turning the corner, uh, and uh, and not only Cole, but everybody else in that rotation stepping up in a big way. Severino and the crew. So, further Tim Healy joins us now. You can see his work all over Newsday. Tim, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us on this Mother's Day Sunday morning. How are you?
3: I am excellent, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm I'm good. I'm good. Uh, unbelievable. I haven't I haven't uh, did a, talked about the, the the derby yet, but had a really fun night last night. Not that I I won any money. I just can't even imagine what it must be like to have like you know just even putting like five dollars down on a horse that uh, that goes eighty <laughs> to one. But uh, I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the program. Uh, ex- excited to have you on, not just to talk about. The the Mets and what's going on with the Yankees as well, but just all in all, Major League Baseball and and, and what you just recently were reporting. But let's start with the Mets, uh, doubleheader today in in Philadelphia. Um, you know we got uh, Bassett going first, Scherzer following up. Excited for that that duel, Scherzer and in, in, in Gibson as well. Gibson's having a, a pretty steady year. Uh, let, but let's talk about this Mets team, and uh, it, I just feel like it's it's a different vibe, right? It's it's a different feel. It's a different vibe from. The manager to the decisions ownership is making by saying like, "Cano, you're batting 195, dude. Doesn't <laughs> we don't need you here. I, I don't. You know, we'll eat the thirty, twenty five, thirty million dollars. Kind of t- talk about. You've been covering this team for quite a while. Talk about what 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 this team, how this team feels to you, Tim, this season.
3: The Mets this year do feel different, and it's mostly because. They're, they're winning. It's kind of like the old chemistry question. How much does team chemistry matter? And I would say it's pretty over – it's important, but it's overrated. Because if you win, as, the, as these Mets are so far, everybody's going to be happy. Everybody's going to like each other. It's going to feel like a different team. They haven't had a collective slump yet. They haven't faced any on-field adversity yet. They have had a couple injuries, including to Jacob DeGrom. Um, but on the field, everything's been going great. Um, so it does feel like a different Mets team. It's, it, in my opinion, too early to be declaring it, uh, you know, really anything more than a good start, which is sort of the approach the Mets have taken publicly as well. Uh, but you have to like 19-9, to 9, a 19-9 stretch during any point of the season. But to start the season, uh, it's hard to ask for much more than that
0: yeah, looking at the National League, again, nineteen and nine for the Mets, they've got a five and a half game lead above the Marlins. Hello. Uh, the Braves, uh, <laughs> following them, the Phillies and the Nationals uh, rounding out the crew. they're ten and nineteen. Meanwhile, in the central, you got the Brewers that are nineteen and nine. And then in the West, obviously the Dodgers, eighteen and seven. You know, looking at a number of uh, power rankings, I know they come out each and every week a number of analysts have the Mets as the best team in the national league. I guess you're saying the Mets aren't ready to claim that. Um, are you ready to claim that? I mean, do you feel based on what you've seen from the Dodgers and the Brewers that as of right now, the Mets really check more boxes?
3: Uh, I, I'm honestly, no. <laughs> um, the Dodgers are the, probably the premier organization in all of baseball right now. So uh, they, probably have a better claim to that title it's only been a month of season and let's not forget that the Braves won the World Series last year and have won the division each of the last four years so the Mets are off to a very good start I I don't really put much stock into the weekly updated power rankings because the only power rankings that matter are the standings which so far for the Mets are good after a month Um, but they're going to have a very interesting stretch of play now you mentioned the Dodgers in not next week, but the week after, starting then, they're going to spend most of a month out west. They have a road trip to play the Rockies and the Giants, and then they come home for a little bit, and then they go back out west to play the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Angels. Those are all good teams. Even the Rockies, to my great surprise, have been good so far. So it's going to be interesting for the Mets. They've been excellent. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot more chances to prove that they are for real.
0: Interesting. Uh, Tim Healy joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. What about that seven-run comeback in the ninth the other night? I know it, it feels like it was quite a few days ago because weather conditions have been bad, and, of course, the Mets, uh, that game postponed, hence the doubleheader today. But, uh, you know, it's, it's those kind of games that I feel really can – not that their season need, needed to be, quote-unquote, turned around – but it, it's, it's it's those kind of games that I feel build the cohesiveness in a clubhouse, right?
3: Agre- agreed, yeah. And th- the thing is, they've had quite a few moments and games like that already. I mean, to, it, their seven-run ninth inning, the greatest comeback in uh, 25 years, the biggest comeback in 25 years for the Mets, um, it happened in like 29 pitches. So it fell apart really quickly for the Phillies. But you're right. Those are the sorts of things and the sort of moments that can stand out if and when a team does something special down the line. It was the craziest part to me was hearing Brandon Nimmo in the jubilant postgame clubhouse describing, you know, what just happened. And he, and he, and he said, "No hitters don't happen every day, and five-run ninth innings don't happen every day, and seven-run ninth innings don't happen every day." But the Mets. For the Mets, those things have been happening about once a week so far. So they've had quite a few impressive, impressive wins so far, which is why there's so much youth behind them right now. There's, a, there's, a, there's been a lot to like.
0: Um, just taking a look at and, and I know you cover more the Mets than you do the Yankees, but we got to talk about the Yankees and, and, and you know what they've been able to especially 11 and one their last 12 games, 18 and seven uh, so far on the season and, and talk about a team that is checking all the boxes uh, from obviously uh, their, their offense, their batting uh, Garrett Cole turning the corner uh their, their, their rotation as well as their bullpen. And they have a two shot lead up on the Rays in the American league East. Um, you know, I, I said this before, it, it's, and, and, I, and I understand, you know, I've been here in, in New York for over 12 years now. I understand that, you know, Mets, Yankees and, and, and that type of rivalry. But, you know, as, as someone who's a sports talk host, uh, I, I really, I, I enjoy the excitement of both these teams doing doing not just well in competing, but like both these teams, again, looking at the power rankings this this week, Yankees, number one in the power rankings above the Dodgers. So, you know, there's talk and speculation. The Mets are the best team in the National League. And in a lot of power rankings, a lot of folks have the Yankees as number one overall. And again, I, I know you don't pay a lot of attention to the weekly power rankings. I do, though. <laughs> and, um, and so, again, you know, we're not just talking about the Yankees and the Mets doing well and being above 500. I feel like, you know, that's... To, you know obviously each and every year the yankees their goal is to win the world series uh, for mets fans yeah you want to win the world series but but let's be honest if if, if the mets are above 500 it's a good day uh, this this is this is this is above and beyond and now we're talking about two new york teams uh, that are in the discussion of being at least top 3 top 5 in the power rankings let alone two of the best in major league baseball it's just it's, don't you feel it's an exciting time i know it's early i know it's a small sample size i don't want to get ahead of myself but I just feel like it's just an exciting time, uh, especially when you look at the NFL teams and how the Giants and the Jets have been struggling, right? Like, it's just an exciting time for baseball here in New York.
3: Absolutely. It's an exciting time for baseball here in New York, and more generally, baseball is more fun when the Mets and Yankees are both good at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's what we've had so far. So it should be a really fun summer of baseball in New York. The Yankees, I think, that might have been the quietest, 10 or 11 game win streak that I've ever heard of. If They won. They rattled off all those wins in a row. And I, for me at least paying more attention to the Mets and maybe that's the problem. I feel like I didn't hear a whole lot about the Yankees zooming to the top of the American league. So they've been very impressive so far. The Mets have been very impressive so far, probably a toss up right now on which team is better. I'm not sure. I believe totally in that Yankees rotation right now, even though they've had some very impressive performances from Nestor Cortez and, Luis Severino, etc. Not to mention mm-hmm. Garrett Cole. Um, but, you know, the Subway Series this summer looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, you know, things would have to fall right. But a Subway Series in October, obviously, goes without saying, would be a heck of a thing. Is
0: is that the first Subway Series?
3: Uh, when, when is the first you know
0: Subway I- Series? Do, and. You know, I okay. I, I, this is this is what we're going to do because I don't, I don't I don't typically like to ask questions uh, that that I, I don't for sure know that my guests have the answers to. So I'm going to look at the schedule. In the meantime, why okay. don't you give us get us up to uh, up to speed on what's going on with uh, with um, um, Degrom and and uh, what's the latest on him and when can we expect him back in the rotation?
3: Jacob Degrom is not going to be back in the rotation anytime soon. Two weeks ago about, it's going to be two weeks tomorrow, he had his most recent MRI, which the Mets said showed healing, but not enough healing for him to begin throwing a baseball, which is a critical step on his way back to pitching. So it's still going to be a while for DeGrom. He's actually penciled in for another MRI a week from today or a week from tomorrow. So we should have yet more news and yet more clarity on the Grom in the next week or so. Uh, but once he does get cleared to throw, it's going to be a spring training esque buildup for him. So they're going to take it really slow. They're going to take it really careful. And I think if he gets back in the first half of the season, then uh, that would probably be a win for the Mets and a win for the Grom. Fortunately for the Mets, Tyler McGill, the Gram's replacement, has been excellent. So they really haven't suffered at all in the Grom's absence. And uh, that, of course, is just part of the bigger rotation picture that the Mets have enjoyed with Scherzer and Bassett and Carrasco has been excellent. Taiwan Walker now back after dealing with a few injury things, so uh, it'll be a while for the Grom. But so far, so good for the Mets on that front. With Adam.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, in regard to the first Subway Series, uh, is July 26? It's a ways away, Tim. So July 26. You've got two games. The Yankees will be at City Field, and that'll be a Tuesday and Wednesday night. And then, um, and then you've got a two-game series on August 22nd and the 23rd, and that's a Monday and Tuesday night. And that, of course, will be in the Bronx. And that is uh, that's all I see right now. So, uh, so not until really the quote-unquote second half of the season. And so the first time these two uh, teams will see each other is, is late July, just FYI. And I'm sure if, if, sure. If, if, if this type of success continues and this type of performance continues, man, uh, those tickets are going to be hard to come by. That's for sure. Tim, before we let you go, let's look big picture here in the reports out there. Uh, you're, you're you've been talking to a few of the Mets coaches. Uh, some other players have commented that they feel that um, well, first and foremost, let me set it up this way. Uh, this season, it is the lowest um, distance that that home runs have been traveling in eight years. So the average distance of a home run hit is 391, okay? 391 yeah. feet. okay, so that's 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 right that's where it is right there. Um, the slugging percentage is two, Again, the lowest it's been in eight years. So there's no denying, and again, I know it's a small sample size, but there's no denying that statistically this season is what we like to call a dead ball. However, players feel, and they've been commenting, and and of course you're reporting as well, speaking to some of the Mets coaches, uh, eyes don't lie, right? That balls that are being utilized by Major League Baseball in primetime games or nationally televised games are different than those otherwise uh, tell us more what have you uncovered
3: Th- that came from a conversation I had with hitting coach Eric Chavez a few days ago and I asked him what's up and what does he think of the ball not flying like it normally does and those numbers that you had back up what the Mets and others strongly feel that it is a dead ball this year for some reason it's not going out like it normally does and he said that his players last weekend They were complaining about this issue because they will square balls up and they won't go out. His players last weekend said, hey, Eric Chavez, when we play Sunday night baseball against the Phillies, watch what happens to the balls and watch how they fly. The suggestion being that the balls were in some way different for that national game of the week type game, and uh, Chavez was skeptical. And then the game happened, and the balls flew like they hadn't been flying in the weeks prior which turned Chavez into a believer believer in what really initially sounds like a conspiracy theory. Um, It sounds insane to suggest that MLB would have teams use different balls, different baseballs for a particular game. The problem for MLB is that it feels a, a little believable because every year for the last few years, something has been different about the baseballs and at the beginning of the season, you don't really know what it's going to be, and you have to play and find out. And it's just some random twist every year. Um, You know, in talking to Brandon Nimmo, who caught my eye when he actually gave chase to a home run that Bryce Harper absolutely crushed the other day, Brandon Nimmo said, uh, you know, he pointed out that MLB owns Rawlings, which makes the baseballs. So you would think MLB would be able to control the – quality control process or, or, or maybe, it does. And, you know, the players think the MLB is screwing with the baseballs in some way. So it, it, it's part of the greater mistrust between the players and league that players always suspect something's up with the baseballs. And, you know, to paraphrase Eric Chavez, um, the numbers back that up, that balls hit at a certain speed at a certain angle, normally turn into home runs. But this year that isn't happening except on Sunday night.
0: It's fascinating, right?
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bar, it's a bizarre situation. Um, Nimmo was a little bit more measured in his approach than Chavez. Nimmo was uh, comfortable waiting till June when the weather warms up to see how balls are flying then. Um, But, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem throughout baseball and it, got the attention of pretty much everybody in the game
0: it's wild uh so stay on top of it i'm sure tim will as well tim uh, awesome for you to join us on this uh this sunday morning especially on, on mother's day really do appreciate you enjoy the rest of your afternoon
3: great thank you very much for having me
0: you got it tim healy find his work at Newsday. <laughs>
1: Messier, Crown Pride, then Epicenter is coming up on the outside! Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final for Lung! Sandin is coming after him! Epicenter and Sanden! These two, strive for stride! Simplification down the outside is next! And coming down to the wire! Epicenter handed Rich Strike is coming up on the inside! Oh my goodness! The longest shot! Has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable
4: upset.
0: Unbelievable. You could hear it in that call, of course, on, on NBC. Um, Rich Strike, 80 to 1. And now, just to give you some background on this horse, this horse was, uh, was purchased for, and I say only, $30,000 at a low level claim race. Okay? By winning the Kentucky Derby last night, the owner uh, Rich Dawson uh, won 1.8 million dollars. Um, it's 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 its first stakes victory, so think about the return on that, which is which is pretty pretty ridiculous. Um, the jockey was uh, Sony Leon, who, you know, that's not a name that we hear often, right? Like uh, this is an, an ownership group who, by the way, and, and very sad. Um, lost about two two dozen horses in a barn fire um, a little over a year ago, and so the owner Dawson uh, was was just and and I don't I like you know I lose a dog and, and, and my world's coming to a, a, the the an end um, losing two dozen horses unbelievable in a barn fire was was just going to walk away from the sport and uh, and decided not to do so and and of course again purchased a uh, rich strike for thirty thousand dollars in a low level claim race so um now this horse had two previous wins uh but did not know that it was going to enter or be able to compete in the derby until thirty seconds before the deadline because another horse um um ethereal eth- ethereal road i think i'm pronouncing that properly um was was scratched from uh from the race the trainer is eric reed again a name that, and, and not that hey listen not that i am a, a i'm 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 at the track five days a week i'm not i mean i just i i love the triple crown i love these horses they're beautiful athletes um i know a lot of horse uh, horse owners uh who take unbelievable care of these horses um And, and, and I just, and and I love this time of year, but Eric Reed is not a trainer. We hear often, uh, rich Dawson and his ownership ownership group is not an ownership group. We hear often jockey. Sony Leon is not a jockey that is constantly being asked to ride these top horses like epicenter, like Zandon who were expected to win. Now epicenter and Zandon, they were the two favorites. They came in second and third. Okay. But also, um, you know, just if if you if you have an opportunity to watch how this race played out, uh, and I know there's there's video out there of like uh, the drone view per se, and and just the moves that Rich Strike made, along with the jockey and how the jockey rode the horse, uh, truly so impressive. Really well. I mean, keep in mind there were twenty horses in this field, twenty, and in the way that, that that Rich Strike was was able to maneuver and and then just put it into another gear down the stretch to blow right by Epicenter and Zandon was just unreal. And so it's it's been an interesting Kentucky Derby the last few years. Keep in mind, back in 2019, Maximum Security was just uh, dqed uh, disqualified. Um, because of interference and then of course 2020 we had covid so what happened the Kentucky Derby then was no longer the first leg it was moved to September and then um, and then last year 2021 Medina Spirit was DQ'd because of uh drugs and uh and Bob Baff the whole Bob Bafford saga uh that's that's happening so it's just been a very interesting last few years for the Kentucky Derby and the fact that a horse Um, that was favored 80 to one, 80 to one to win by three fourths of a length at the end in that fashion. Just, just unbelievable. This is the second largest payout in the history of the Derby. Um, $163.60 per dollar so really really unbelievable and so and so 80 to 1 so this is what i did i, I did a little research here i wanted to, i wanted to do a deep dive into um what what else h- how can you equate 80 to 1 in in our terms and what do i mean by our terms people who don't necessarily aren't really big into horse racing you don't go to the track you really don't wager which by the way um for in for in, in uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I know for a good portion of time between like 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., I was destroying you on social media, but thank you uh, for helping me not lose money. Um, so the only way that you could wager in New Jersey on the derby was through the, the site 4NJBets.com. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's linked with FanDuel, by the way. And unfortunately, they went down their servers went down so if you were on social media you were trying to wager on the derby obviously the biggest race of the year everyone even if you, you you're not in you're not into horses you don't like to to wager whatever the case may be you you're like ah oh, i'm going to throw a, a few coins on on a derby horse you couldn't do it they were down and they were down for hours and so I, <laughs> so what a what what a turn of events because from like four to all the way up to to post time, they were getting destroyed on social media. There were so millions and millions of people could not wager on the raise. But now looking back, who would have put money on Rich Strike? Not many. Who lost? Unfortunately, four NJ bets lost because they would have made a killing. They must be killing themselves this morning. Uh, that's for sure. So that happened yesterday. But anyway, what I wanted to share with you is 80 to 1. So, so what analogy in regard to other sports out there, in regard to what's that probability? Here it is. In the NFL, 80 to 1 for the Jets or the Jags to win the AFC. Marinate in that for a minute. 80 to 1. For the Atlanta Falcons to win the NFC. 80 to 1. With, of course, Marcus Mariota as its quarterback. For the Miami Marlins to win the World Series, eighty to one. For the Dallas Mavericks to win the NBA championship is forty to one. Forty to one for the Mavs, just forty to one for the Mavs to win the championship. Tyler Hero for the Miami the Miami Heat to win the MVP of the postseason, eighty to one. The Kings to win the Stanley Cup, 100 to 1. Just to kind of give you an idea of hockey, since we're in the midst of uh, some, some postseason hockey. And going back to football, specifically with the Giants, for the Giants to win the Super Bowl, 80 to 1. 80 to 1. And for Daniel Jones to win, to have the most passing yards of this coming NFL season. More passing yards than Tom Brady. More passing yards than Aaron Rodgers. More passing yards than uh, Patrick Mahomes. 80 to 1. So just marinating that. Giants winning the Super Bowl, Daniel Jones most most passing yards, Jets and Jags winning the AFC, the Marlins winning the World Series. 80 to 1. Those are the, the that is how significant yesterday was. And how unbelievable. 80 to 1 Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby. Just, just what a moment in time that it's just so great. I, I'm just uh, congratulations to the ownership group with the Dawsons and of course the jockey, uh, Sony Leon, and, and uh, just to purchase the horse for $30,000, winning $1.8 million. It's just, it's such a phenomenal story. Uh, so God bless. Hopefully you enjoyed the derby as much as I did. Quick break. We come back. We'll kick off hour two of this show. I've been on now hour three because we have our golf show from 8 to 9 a.m. Moe Hamilton will join us. Let's dive into what's going on in the NBA. Two really great games last night, but one huge concern, and that's Ja Morant. Is he going to be able to continue to play knee injury last night in the game? We'll dive into all that next here on 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not?
0: That's right. It's click or don't click. A fun way we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport here at 1033 a.m. on this Mother's Day Sunday Funday to find out what is trending in sport. And our producers always lead the way. So, uh, Will, Tom, what you guys got?
4: Uh, this one is fresh in my mind, and we spoke about it earlier on in the show, Anita. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and there's interesting facts that are going on. You mentioned the Rangers playing the Penguins, who are down to their third-string goalie. Well, they're not the only team that has go- has had have to gone to backup goalies. The Dallas Stars are on their backup goalie. Carolina is on their backup goalie. The Penguins mm. are on their third-string goalie. It's, it seems like – and Washington has to use their backup goalie. It's Baseball has a year of the pitcher. Hockey has a year of of the goalie. But a scary incident yesterday – I, I want to get your take on this. Yesterday in the, in the Colorado Avalanche game, their goalie Darcy Kemper took a stick through the goalie mask and poked him in the eye Ooh. where he had to cover his eye, be helped off the ice. And they're now down. To their backup goalie. But they were talking about it on the post-game show and during the intermission report that when you play junior hockey, you have to have a face mask with less room to see out of, but more protection to the eye. When you get to the NHL, you have the option to take that away and make it more easier to see and make it more comfortable for the goalie. Is this going to require now more goalies to want to have that extra protection. And there's something else that that happened on a Friday that, you know, that I'll get to as well. But what do you think about this? Because he could easily have lost his eye there and the mask is for your protection. But if a stick can go through it, then what's the point of the mask?
0: Okay. So, uh, so I have a personal story that, that I can, that I can use in the situation that I think correlates to what you're talking about. So uh, when, when I played women's professional football, um, I had Oakley at that point in time. Came out with the face guard that you, if you recall, Ricky Williams used to wear, right? Like, and there's there's some players who still wear it, and it's like it's tinted, so you can't see the player's face. A lot of times, wide receivers like to watch, to, like to wear it because a lot of times, DBs, secondaries, guys in the secondary, they'll 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 they can read the ball based on the eyes of the receiver when it when when a ball's getting closer to a receiver their eyes get bigger, right? Like they get more excited. Like, oh, here comes the ball. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And their eye, right. And, and so a lot of times, uh, DBs will utilize that their facial expressions to make plays on balls. So you'll see wide receivers use it. Anyway, Oakley was just coming out with this and they were going to pay me handsomely to wear it on my face mask. So, but I didn't want it. I didn't want it to interrupt or uh, take away from my statistics or, or my performance. So that whole week of practice, I wore it at practice to see, you know, if I could practice in it well. Well, I didn't, and it was it was a shame because I really could have made some nice money if, if, if I could have, and, and I couldn't. So I went back to our our um our equipment manager and I told her I said, listen, you got to take this off. Like I've practiced it the past three days, and it's it 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 hurts. It doesn't help. I said, but do me a favor, um, keep. Keep the, um, the face mat, the, the, the mouth guard that you have. And I had what, what you had, I had one of the kicker's mouth guards as opposed to a quarterback's uh, ma- like mouth guard, you know, the, that extends out. And she said, you really want to do that? that? That's not going to give you any protection. And I said, yeah, I said, I, I like having that. I like having the openness there. Um, so just remove the Oakley uh, shield, but keep the kicker's face mask. And she's like, okay, I don't think you should do this. Sure enough, we go up to Dallas. We're playing the Dallas Diamonds. um, Delayed blitz. Linebacker comes in. Her cleat goes through my face mask and shatters my nose. So now I'm sitting there and I have no nose on my face.
4: Yeah, it's... uh...
0: So, um, and again, I I know uh, a long-winded story here just to share with you. Like, yeah, I I mean, you know, dumb move on my part. Um, you know, I thought I was uh, picking a piece of equipment that would help me in my performance, but obviously did did not help me health wise. And so, needless to say, now everybody knows I have a reconstructed nose. And, so, um, and this that.
4: This goes back a long way too. Like when I played hockey growing up as a kid, you had two options. You had to cover your face in some way. You either had to wear the, you, you know, like the black face mask and it had like the bars or whatever or you could have worn the fishbowl which was a clear white face shield. The problem is with the clear white plexiglass face shield is that it fogs up when you breathe. So then you can't see out of that and now you can't see out of the black bar face shield. So there really isn't a win-win scenario. But something else that happened over the weekend too, Anita, was in the Boston Bruins game on Friday, the penalty box attendant was sitting in the penalty box and after the Bruins scored the fans were banging on the glass. Well, the glass broke. And this is plexiglass, mind you. It fell on the old man who was monitoring the penalty box, he lost consciousness that he stretched out of the arena. So talk about protection. Maybe they shouldn't. I, I don't want to say maybe they should. After an incident like this, they may require the penalty box assistants to now wear helmets in case this happens again because that's easily, what, 150, 200 pounds of plexiglass falling on an 85-year-old man's head? Yeah, that's uh, that's not a very safe look there for the NHL.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, really quick. I I know again, before we move on to what else is, is trending. Um, I I know that uh, you're a big hockey fan, uh, your, your thoughts on, on the move that, um, that, uh the, the rangers made by benching their uh, their goalie after the first quarter i excuse me i understand trying to give you know a, a little a, a little spark um to a team that was down 4-1 after the first quarter but obviously did not bode well not sure if that was the right decision your thoughts
4: yeah it's it's certainly interesting and the w- what i took out of it was simply fatigue by igor Shesterkin. Um, game one, he faced 70. He made 79 saves. Then he had to come back 36 hours later and play in Game two, which he won. So the guy made 114 saves in 36 hours. A travel to Pittsburgh with a skate. I understand the fatigue. Now the move worked out for the Rangers. They tied the game. However. Alexander Georgiev, who is the Rangers' backup goaltender, is nowhere near the same level that Igor Shesterkin is. And if you saw the game-winning goal by Danton Heinen, that's a save that Igor Shesterkin makes in his sleep. Um, and Georgiev could not stop that. But that, it, uh, that move had to be done. You're on the road in a game three, in a pivotal game three, and your starting goalie has given up four goals in the first period. You have to wake up your team at some degree. It worked out for the Rangers, but Georgiev doesn't make the save that evidently Shasturkin probably does. And not to put any discredit on Georgiev, he was really good at that second period making big saves, but that save he should have had on Danton Heinen simply did not do that, but Igor Shesterkin makes that save. I don't hate it. It's happened before. It's worked in the past for other teams. But people are going to kill Gerard Gallant for this. I don't know why they wo- I don't know why they would. You have to spark your team in some degree. Baseball managers could get ejected, um, get ejected to, you know, fire hockey. You can't just call a timeout because it. that's not how that works. If you see your number one goalie go to the bench, that's a wake-up call to the team.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What else is trending, gentlemen?
5: All right. Click or don't click at the Kentucky Derby. Drake having a little too much fun um, on an interview with NBC Sports.
0: Ooh, I am clicking that. Intriguing.
5: All right. So Jack Harlow, a Louisville native, was speaking to NBC Sports prior to the race yesterday. And uh, his good friend Drake, he walked into the frame to quote unquote eavesdrop. And then he just took over the conversation where he said about Harlow, I just had to show up. I'm so proud of this guy. And then proudly exclaimed, and we're drunk. On live TV, before he had to uh, clarify that uh, Harlow is sober, uh, that Drake is the only one drunk. And then uh, Drake went on and on um, revealing who they picked uh, for who they were betting on for the horse. Uh, they said that they were rooting for Happy Jack, who ended up finishing in 14th. Uh, Harlow made the joke that they should, if they had a horse named Happy Aubrey, they would run that too, uh, because Aubrey being Drake's first name. But the most notable thing about this is, as their conversation went on, Drake knows that the camera crew for NBC Sports was attempting to close the interview, but he wasn't quite ready to end it. As he (laughs) said, you can't give it the wrap—or excuse me, you can't give it the wrap-up signal. What are you going to cut to? What are you going to cut to? A shot of, like, poorly manicured grass or something? So (laughs) Mm. Drake clearly enjoying himself maybe a little too much. (laughs) At the Kentucky Derby with Jack Harlow yesterday.
0: You think, is it me or is it like, you know, I just feel like Drake is, no matter like what the sporting event is, I just, I feel like he's always like, he's always there. Always. It's Like NBA, now the Kentucky Derby, NFL, like I just feel like Drake is always around regardless of the sporting event. I don't get it.
5: And he always seems to put his voice into something, too, or make himself known. Like, I know at Raptors games in the past, in the playoffs, he was always courtside, giving them high fives and stuff like that. I think he got into it with Steph Curry a while back, too, um, when he was at a game. Or maybe I'm thinking of when he was getting into it with someone else. But I do remember an incident in which that happened during a game, and I think he had to be escorted out or at least shoved away from the incident.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's, it, he's a lot. He's alive. I'm
4: just really I, tired I mean of that. It. To be honest with you, like, I, like you're, you're tired. You're tired like, of Drake. Every time I, but every time I turn on a sporting event, he's there, and like he's a big hockey fan too. I mean, being from Toronto, so like the Maple Leafs, if they go on to the next round, he's gonna be there. And like the guy's a fake fan. I mean, he was literally dapping up Joel Embiid as he was beating the Raptors, and he claims he's a Raptors fan, and now he's at the Kentucky Derby. I mean, sure, he has a lot of money. Go ahead, do whatever you want to do, but I don't need to see this guy at every single sport. He's, in my opinion, if I did not listen to music, I would just have no idea who this guy is. And he's just on every sporting. He's like Marlon's man. He's just there. He's just it's at like, every sporting event.
0: It's it's like it's my it's like my brother. He, he just thinks that Kenny Rogers owns a, a, a chain of, of chicken restaurants. He has no idea that that Kenny Rogers is actually a country and western star. At one point in time, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. What else do you guys got? Give me one more before we uh be, before we uh, we move on.
4: Um, I I kind of used all mine, but okay, ma- but maybe I could throw out something. How about I,
0: I mean, how about the fact that you know Canelo Alvarez? I, I think I mean you talk about a huge upset. Um. Uh, you know he, he 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 lost last night, and I want to say you know I, I don't have the lines in front of me, but um really one of the biggest biggest upsets with a unanimous decision uh, in in the boxing world last night.
5: Yeah, I believe that was his first. If I read correctly on Twitter, that was his first <laughs> loss since 2013. He's got a career record of 57 two and two. Was the number one ranked pound for pound boxer according to uh, ESPN rankings, and he plans on exercising his contractual right to an immediate rematch with his opponent, uh, Dimitri Bivel or Bivel? I apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly. I think it's Bivel. Bivel, then, yeah. He wants a rematch with him, obviously, to try and sell the score, but that was shocking because every time I see Canelo Alvarez in the news, I mean, maybe it's just when I've started, like, following fighting when I was, like, a teenager to the little bit that I have. I always see Canelo out on top and dominating. It's almost weird to see him on the other side of things. I mean, it ended up being one fifteen to one thirteen in Bivol's favor, but apparently, every from what I read on social media, this was Bivol's fight through and through, and it shouldn't have even been that close with the scores.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, it was monster, monster. Listen, this is this is is it is this not the weekend of upsets? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, b- between you know Alvarez getting beat last night and and eighty to one, Rich Strike winning the uh, the Kentucky Derby, it's really really unbelievable. Gentlemen, thank you. This is what's trending at ten forty six a.m. on this Mother's Day Sunday funday here on 98.70 SPN. Uh, quick break, we come back. I'll I get you up to speed on what's going on with the Giants. I think it's really important. A few things happening in the NFL this week, okay? Uh, one is, and this should have happened, or we were anticipating this to happen uh, before Friday, and that is James Bradbury being cut from the Giants. Uh, and then um, and I'm going to explain all the reasons why. And then also this week on Thursday night, really excited about it. We've got a, a special happening on ESPN Uh, that I'll be a part of the NFL schedule is going to be released. I know a a few games have been released. Of course, the international games have been released. Um, but Thursday night is going to be a big night on ESPN. A lot of special shows that are going to be airing, talking about the schedule that, that, that will be released, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So getting you up to speed for that as well. And, of course, we've got Mike Westhoff, a former Jets special teams coach, who's going to be joining us at the top of the hour as well. We'll open up the phone lines, 800 uh, 919 Anita Marks with you on this Mother's Day Sunday fun day here on 98.7 ESPN.